You may have played poker, but playing poker in Texas is a different animal. This is the Texas Poker Podcast with Tyler and Clint. Hello, this is the Texas Poker Podcast. I'm Tyler. This is Clint. What's up, y'all? And we are back with episode 31. Episode 31 and episode 30. We ended with making people money. The uh, the bet on the Indianapolis Colts, just it was easy the entire game. There wasn't even really a sweat. Uh, I mean, the, I think the Jets came back and scored to 30, but really it was at the very end where it, uh, the money line winner, and I'm sure they covered as well, was a, was a really easy wins. I mean, it was the easiest 11 bucks I ever got. See, someone was complaining that you know I'm only I'm only, I'm betting fifty to only win eleven. What's going on? This is horrible. You know what? Your next lunch, I paid for it, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, can't argue with that. It's uh, so I was yeah, I was definitely happy. I'm kind of you know I've been playing with the sports betting. Like it's basically hitting that kind of thing that poker did in Texas. Like, poker was not really profitable ever in a day because you just had all, like, it was just being raked too hard. And no matter how good you are, if it's raked hard enough, you're just not going to be profitable. And I feel like sports betting is kind of getting to the point where it was very, very hard to generate anything. And now, I'm not saying you can be a long-term winner, but I see where it's maybe a possibility. It's been a fun experiment, I will say that. Nice, but probably a more fun experience is I think you had a massive session this week, huh? Oh, man. So you and anybody who listens to this podcast know that I've been on the downswing from hell. Uh, I mean, I had a great Vegas trip where I was doing real well, just ran really good, came back, won some more sessions, and, I, man, I was just making a tear of it. And then it just that downswing just hit me in the balls. <laughs> I mean, it was just so bad. Uh, so I had finally started stringing together a couple little wins. Uh, the 5-5 five, five heads up. The uh, uh, Over at uh, Texas Central, I had like a $250 win. So it was, I was stringing together. I was like, finally, it's nothing big, but you're like, just let me see something profitable. I go into Texas Avenue one night. I have the entire night to just do whatever. And I go there, and they have one table. We're watching the Astros and the World Series. That didn't go so well. Uh, And for an hour and a half, I'm card dead. The hands I'm getting in are are just, you know, I'm not making anything. No gigantic losses, but just misses. There's multi-way pots, so there's not really a lot of ways to just take it down bluffing or anything like that. And I'm just like, here we go again. This this seems to be my status quo anymore. <laughs> uh, and then just I hit a set, got paid on it, started making a little run-up. And then I get kind of an interesting hand. I get pocket aces. It goes 30 and then gets called three ways. Did you open a 30? Oh, no. It got 30. Someone else opened a 30, got called three ways, and action's on you now? Yeah. Action's okay. on me now. I'm like, okay, normally I'd probably make this like 100, 110, or maybe 120. 
But then I'm like, okay, the way this table goes, it's going to get one caller, and then it's just going to string everyone around. And then, I mean, I'm be playing pocket aces and this bloated multi-way pot that's, I mean, if it comes like seven, eight, nine, I mean, it's just a disaster. Uh, so I'm like, okay, whatever. If I take it down pre-flop, this is, it's fine. I make it 200. I like 200 a little bit more anyway. I was kind of thinking about it a second. I like 200 more than 110. Yeah, I was. I thought it was a. I thought it was a huge bet at the time. Gets called three ways. One guy shoves all in for about two hundred, and then it gets two callers as well. And one guy's like, he he tank he he goes to tank call, and he's like, well, he's like, you got a big hand or whatever. I'm like, I'm like, I'm bluffing. He's like, he's like, you you don't bluff and everything. <laughs> and then he calls $200. <laughs> this is why I don't bluff. This is because you're like, you don't get action. You won't get action if you don't bluff. I don't know. The $200 pre-flop at a 1-3 game seems like a lot of action. So here I am in this god-awful kind of spot again. I Now I got three people in the pot. And it's... I mean, we're looking at like an $800 pot and gets a flop. And I think it was like, it was queen, queen, 10. I remember the exact flop. That's kind of a dicey flop right there for aces. It is a dicey flop. I mean, here is the only saving grace. Like when I started the hand, I only had like 630, maybe 650. Okay, well then, decision jam. made easy. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so this is so basically, I'm just jamming everything here. Uh, so I mean, I'd already made the decision unless it was just the flop from hell. Actually, I'm not even sure there's anything I don't jam. Yeah, I agree with that. That's yeah, in that situation, yeah, I think just. I mean, if somebody outflops me, they outflop me. Yeah. Uh, so I had pretty much already decided I'm just jamming everything. Uh. Jam, uh, they both kind of tank fold. Okay, well, that's uh, nice. I don't think either one really had anything. I just didn't, I think they just were in a $200 pre-flop and didn't want to let it go, but it was, uh, so, and then the other guy who was all in, uh, shows pocket kings and we get, and I think I re-ran it twice and it was clean both runouts. Oh, that's very nice. How <laughs> were you anticipating that king? <laughs> I uh, was. I mean, when you're running bad, I was, I mean, I just knew the two-outer was coming. I'm like, at best, I chopped the pot. I mean, that's, I mean, 100%, that's my best. I, I mean, it doesn't even shock me if it's king king on one run out and king on the other. So, yeah, it was uh, really, uh, I was really fortunate to win, win that pot. I was like, oh, thank God. And from there, it was a, at that point, I'm stacked way, I mean, not the, the biggest stack for 1-3, but way bigger than I have been for a while. I mean, so I was really fortunate. Uh, for me also, like after you win a hand like that and you get so deep stacked, but it's also that relief of it's not all your money. I feel like you can kind of play like you're knowing the correct move. It's knowing the correct move and doing it is a lot easier whenever you're up. For me, at least. I mean, obviously, right? But. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, just the stress of, especially on a down, like, even more so when you're on a downswing. I mean, it's uh, 100% all the time, but 
when you're on a downswing and it just really feels it really takes the stress off definitely if that downswing start i mean because i've been on downswings where i start making the incorrect move because i'm worried about the variance sometimes or not the i mean yeah i mean basically the variance sometimes and that that to me is more frustrating whenever it starts taking a toll and you're not playing as well as you know you can play oh yeah absolutely i mean yeah oh i've talked about it before on this downswing like I've been running bad, but I have not been playing the greatest either. There's been several sessions that should have been l either lesser losses or even wins that I was not playing my best. I mean, I was I was tilted before I even sat down at the table. I'm talking about more like I've been on such a bad downswing where I was even I only like flat called with ace king whenever I could have put in. Um, I think it was a four bet, but as you know how I play, yeah. I mean, that means it's taking a pretty big toll on me. Oh, yeah. The way you, you even more so than me, and me as well, like when you're playing Ace King that way, you know you're playing scared. Exactly. And that, that's whenever it really started kind of bothering me. I mean, yeah, th I, th that relief of doubling up like that and seeing some green really takes a load off. Oh, yeah. It's a, uh... now the only thing here is I was very nervous because, I mean, when I, I mean, I knew I needed kind of a big session, and I just had this, so I'm like, now, I'm like, oh, God. So, the one other hand on here is a PLO hand, which you know, you want to talk about scare the shit out of you. I mean, you've been on a downswing. You're now stacked very well. The easiest way to lose all that is on that reverse button PLO hand. I mean, if if I'm in your situation, I don't even know if I look at the cards. Well, I did. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So I have, I forget the other two cards. I did have a suited ace of diamonds. I remember that. Uh, and I think it's one of those that it was like I called three and then someone made it 20, 25, and there's call, 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 call. And I'm like, well, I got out to the nuts. What do I do here? Call. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I ended up making the call. I flopped the nut flush draw. I think somebody was actually all in as well on this uh, I check someone bets a pretty sizable amount into the, I think they bet pot. The other guy calls and I'm like, son of a bitch. I just got this stack. I mean, what happens when on this turn on the river? But I'm like, well, I was like, well, I go ahead and make the call for the suit. And then the diamond, the diamond instantly hits. And giving me all the nut, the nuts except for a straight flush, and I had one of the outs of the straight flush. Wow. So it was a uh, so in the guy that the other guy in the hand uh, jams all in immediately. I'm like, well, I call, and sure enough, this you know I got the nuts at that point and it stays clean. Oh man, I bet you were just skipping out of there. Oh God, I mean it was. I mean. You and me were texting, and you're like, if there's ever a time to leave, <laughs> I'm like, I ain't leaving, but, oh, God, I ain't playing all my head. <laughs> you're looking at a 5% range here right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just watching a movie. Just a guy watching a movie at a poker table. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is where you break out the 10-inch iPad. You don't even have the 7-inch iPad out there. Uh, so... Then you want to talk about weird table dynamics. Here I am on the big, like busting out of one of the biggest downswings I've ever had. 
I now have like 2,000 in front of me. I'm in for 300. And I'm like, oh, thank God. Well, there's this guy who plays very big. And he's kind of a gambler. And, you know, he's he's a gambler who know, who does no poker. And he moves, he goes and sits directly to my left. Whatever. Okay. I mean, he's been running bad. He's not even got, he's not got that big of a stack or whatever. Me and him have had a history. We're friendly, but we've gotten into it a time or two before. I mean, we're not, I by no means consider him someone I'd, I don't like. He's a good guy to play with, but I also think that some of what he does is on the shadier side. And I've been known to call it out sometimes when I see it. Uh, so he and the dealer get into it. He's like, he gets dealt his cards, and then he's like, I'm going to straddle. The dealer's like, well, you can't straddle. You already have your cards and everything. He's like, I haven't looked, so I'm going to straddle. The dealer's like, I can't verify that. This seems like a very good, I mean, this, doesn't, this seems like a very correct ruling, right? The only time I've ever seen it go the other way is if somebody says that they're an automatic straddle every hand no matter what. Right. Other than that, because you agree, if, if they say that to the table when the dealer sits down, they've already announced it to the table, they do straddle every hand no matter what. Yeah. That would be fine, right? I, I think if you put it in those terms and you just say it's an automatic straddle, but I mean, what if it's somebody who's been known to straddle they cannot. Yeah, I was like, because that's kind of this. This would be kind of in between. I don't. He's never. He has never said that. But he. I mean, he does straddle up better. And for the record, I do believe he didn't look at his cards. But I yeah. jumped on him. I was like, well, you know, you can't do that. I mean, he's. And then he got all. He got very pissed off. And I was like, okay. Regardless if you looked at your cards or not, if he makes that ruling for you, he's got to make that ruling for every single person. And do you think there's not one person in the world? Who would not lie about this? 100%. I mean, it seems very reasonable. I mean, I thought it was the most reasonable. I think I think he was kind of tilted and getting into it. So he, I was like, yeah, you can't do that. And he's like, he starts, he's like 55, 60 maybe. Mm-hmm. And he starts like, yeah, yeah. I mean, just making like weird noises, trying to make fun of me and stuff. I'm like. Oh, God. I mean, <laughs> if there's ever anything that makes me... I mean, watching people older than me act like spoiled children. Just, I mean, you want to talk about lose my mind. But then I'm like, okay, don't get pissed off at me because you're running like shit. Right. I mean, that was that might have been over the line, but... Meh, whatever. Eh. I mean, I don't know. I've jumped over that line a time or two. <laughs> sure. Uh, <laughs> he gets... Furious, he's like, "We'll see who's running like shit." He buys in. He he then adds on for two thousand. You should have said, "All right, bye." And left. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "I'm like, I mean, I was, I was like, I don't care." But I tell you what, I care. <laughs> <laughs> said, it's still you because I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Enjoy trying to stack the next biggest stack of the table from. That has 500 in front of them. Yeah. Now you got to go brush your hair. <laughs> yeah, this hair. It's getting very unruly. <laughs> so we, uh, but it, nothing really ever happened. I raised a couple times. We never really got into like a big hand or anything. But I mean, I was, I mean, unless I had the nuts, I'm not getting into anything big. <laughs> and even then, 
it might not stay in the nuts. Still might not get anything big. Uh, so that was a really good time, a really good session. It was one of those things I really... Because it's nice to see some green and get a little win here and there. Just be like, okay, thank God. But, you know, that one big session really takes the load off. Where it makes up for some of your either really bad sessions or several of your just not great sessions. Man, it takes a mental toll too sometimes. Going on such a bad downswing, you're like, do I even know what's going on? Have I been lucky my entire life? I mean... (laughs) (laughs) A hundred percent. I mean, you definitely kind of start to doubt your skills when you've been running bad enough. I mean, like, there's times I know I wasn't playing that well, but there's a difference between not playing that well and, you know, not playing and just being bad at poker. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. I mean... But then there's also running bad as well. I mean, if you get into 50-50s, ace-king versus queens, you know, versus another pair and lose... But if you string three or four of those together, that leads to a pretty bad downswing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So it's uh, – because, I mean, you know, it's just like in sports. I mean, some guy might be, you know, not be playing that great. I'm sure, you know, the best players have had, you know, downs and swings where they're not doing great. But, you know, they're great players in the long run. Uh, But I tell you what, when you're going through the downswing, you wonder if you've ever – I'm like, okay, is top pair good? Or, I mean, is, I mean, you, you keep looking for leaks in your game, and which is really good. I think it's a great habit to have. But sometimes you're actually just wanting to find leaks that maybe sometimes aren't even there as well. Yeah, I mean, sometimes your leak is just you're losing flips. That's, I mean, it's a, it takes a mental toll. So, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it sometimes. So, I, so, remember last week we talked about um, that tournament I was going to go play? Yeah, I was super psyched about it because you you don't do tournaments hardly at all, and with our our work schedule, sorry, the uh, it gets a, uh, it just doesn't you know we really can't do tournaments for the most part. Yeah, like I told um, someone else, I think it would have taken me longer to go to the bank, get the money, and burn it than it was to lose it at that tournament. Yeah, it did not seem when you're texting me did not seem to go well at all. Well, I mean, I had I had some bluffs that went... Uh, actually, all the bluffs went well um, early. I took down some mediocre hands. Really didn't get into any big hands. Um, I got into one multi-way one that kind of took a big chunk. But, I mean, basically the hand of the tournament for me was I had pocket queens. And then raised too small. Got called by a ton of people. Flop came ace, queen... Oh, sorry. Um, no, yeah, it was ace, queen, ten. And then... What happened? And then I was out of position, so I ended up checking because I was down to, like, probably not even 20 blinds. About 20 blinds. Okay. So I was hoping to check jam. Right. Uh, it checks through eight on the turn. A guy shorter sack than me jams. I call... He has Jack Nine for the straight, and obviously no board pairing river. Definitely not. I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't mind the way you played this. I, well, like, I there weren't any hands where I thought you really horribly misplayed. I thought like I think bluffing early in the tournament I didn't really agree with because even though they went well, 
your chips are so valuable because here's the other here's in the beginning of a tournament if you get if you win these bluffs it doesn't help you that much but if you lose a decent amount of chips it just hinders you a ton uh so i didn't i wasn't keen on that but all the hands you played i think you played very well i mean you could someone might criticize the set of queens checking but the vast majority on of the time on that flop, it's not going to check through. Someone's going to bet. You're going to jam. Yeah, and I mean, the real criticism is I opened up too small. Um, I should have made it three big blinds. I made it two, which was a disaster. Yeah. Okay, this is something that everybody seems to just be completely... Maybe I'm wrong. I don't... I mean, I study some tournament theory, but I mean... I think a lot of people just study blindly and don't actually critically think when it comes to it. And the big tournament theory is two, two and a half big blinds or a race. This is a horrible theory early in tournaments. Right. You and I talked about that is that's better when the stacks are way shorter. Right. Cause I've had people criticize, well, Oh, you're just going old school, and you haven't really. You're not really up to times, whatever. And then I've watched them raise two, two and a half big blinds the entire tournament. Never steal one blind. Uh, any made hands they have are they're winning the actual minimum on them. I think this is horrible. I like when it's later in tournaments, and you have a lot of pay jumps, and there's a lot of a lot of ICM implications. Then I think it definitely makes a lot of sense, but. I think a lot of people just study, just like kind of study blindly without critically thinking. And I have yet to see any math or anything that makes sense for the two, two and a half big blinds earlier in the tournaments. Later in the tournaments, I do agree with it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that was basically my tournament, though. I mean, I have nothing to say other than I should have made it three big blinds at least. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> two I mean, hours. Uh, you were there for at least two hours, and that's what we get. One block. Yeah, that's my big takeaway. Here's a question. Like, uh, tournaments are different than cash games, but they are so different than the cash games that you play. Right. Do you think, like, with you running so well in cash and the cash games being so different that it just makes sense just to not do tournaments in your in your shoes? Um, well, figuring I cashed out, well, I guess the cash game after that, maybe I should just stay home, but <laughs> I, mean, I mean, this is going to be a tough sell to be like, you know what? I should be doing that. But, um, I think, well, I know I've studied way more cash game deep stack than I have tournaments. So I would assume I'm better at that than tournaments figuring a hundred percent. I guess that my question is like, because you study, not really because you study it more, but because you do it more and you develop habits when doing it, do you think, like, if you were to suddenly start doing tournaments, it would hurt your cash game? Or, like, doing cash game at the stack levels that you do would hurt, turn, would kind of hurt tournaments? Probably. I, I can agree with that. Because, I mean, early in the tournament, I mean, I just cannot resist putting in the squeeze play, the bluff, the triple barrel. I mean, yeah. Why not? It's probably going to work until it doesn't. <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. It's a, but yeah, I don't like, I think it's different if you're in Vegas where you can typically buy in for a hundred big blinds or, I mean, maybe, 
150 or whatever, and for the most part, you're playing a lot of like just regular 100, like 100 times the blind. You might lose a couple hands and be playing a little bit lesser. So the differences aren't as just huge. But when you're in what we're doing, I mean, you're, I guess you could have some deep stack tournaments where I guess you do start out with 200 something or something big blinds. I guess maybe those, but it's just ours, the, in Texas where it's matched the stack. And a lot of times you're playing with God almighty, six, 700 big blinds in front of you. It's just such a different game. Oh yeah. hundred percent. And like, I mean, after that tournament, like, like I was telling you, it's just like, I was like, well, temporarily lost motivation at least to jump into another one. Going to just keep grinding some cash. I mean, with the way you're running in cash games and, like, the way you're picking things up, I mean, like I told you, if you if you find a way just to print money, you don't go looking for a bigger printer. <laughs> yeah, you just right. keep ca- – I mean, you just keep doing that. I, I mean, mean – You for sure go look around, but <laughs> – <laughs> I mean, Well, while you're looking ro- around, you're not printing money. <laughs> well, that's – that's kind of the other thing, right? It's like, I mean, even when I play some of these tournaments and I make a somewhat deep run and then bubble or make a somewhat deep run and min cash, it feels like a gigantic waste of time. Especially if you're playing bigger cash in smaller tournaments. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean... Because if you're practicing tournaments and all of a sudden you play for multiple hours and you end up with a $60 profit... Well, I, I always start people when they're wanting to start in poker. I always start them in tournaments because, to me, it's more fun because you can't sit there and grind a tournament. You have to play. The blinds are going up. And you get more play for your money. But as you become profitable, you know, the cash games, because there's no really ladder for tournaments. One, the variance is so high. And then number two is the rake is kind of high for lower stake tournaments. But with cash game... I mean, here in Texas, you can play, not be a great player, play good, correct pre-flop ranges, and just kind of ABC poker, and at one, two, one, three, you're going to be a winning player. Oh, uh, definitely. I can agree. I mean, you got to think, when I first started, I was extremely tight, and just, you know, that's just what I did. Yeah, and which is, I think, at that point was the correct way to play it for, well, both for what you were learning at that time and what we were buying in for. And the bankroll, I mean, yeah, what oh, we were yeah. buying and in for, the bankroll, and just the knowledge, so. Yeah, so, and now you, you're playing a whole lot deeper, but yeah, there's, there, in cash game, there's a really great, a really great way to progress as a poker player that tournaments really don't have. Yeah, I agree. But all this fun talk about cash, after the tournament, I said, you know what? I'm going to go play some cash. Where you know you're good. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess. I mean, sure. <laughs> yeah, history says I mean, you're a better cash game player. That is true. <laughs> See? I'm not going out of... <laughs> but, um, so... Here's always an interesting situation, or not situation, but interesting dynamic, I guess, is when you play cash at the place where the big tournament is going on. I love it. Oh, no, I do too. 
but like I was telling you um, after that session is it was a lot of new players who were there. Right. A lot of new players. Um, the first hand, I three bet with three, four suited. Flop came uh, five, six, seven. Good Lord. <laughs> turn a lucky was, horseshoe up your ass. <laughs> turn was an eight. River was a seven. Oh, or no, God. sorry, sorry. Turn was a six. And he boat. I mean, he basically boated on the river. Oh God, that's horrible. Luckily, I was able to lay it down. Did you lay this down? Yeah, I laid it down on the river. Oh but, my God, on a three bet pot. Yeah, yeah. So okay, so you three bet. You flopped a straight. Yep. Obviously, he, obviously you uh, bet. Sorry, it must not have been. It was a big squeeze play. Sorry. It was okay. like limp, limp, limp. I made it like 35 or something. Oh, okay. It wasn't a three-bet yeah, pot. Sorry. It was just yeah. a big red. Okay, yeah. I got you. It was just a, a bet when there was a ton of limpers. Exactly. And it's heads up going to the flop. And I flop, I flop the second nuts. He turns two pair, boats the river. I mean, this this is a really good fold here. I, I mean, I, I, granted, that's a, run, that's a bad run out for your hand, but... Still so strong here. I mean, three, so three, four. You said it come five, six, seven. Yep. Did he, yeah. Did an eight hit at any point? Um, I don't think so. He had six, seven. I I think I misspoke earlier. He had six, seven. Because I remember he turned. He flopped two pair. Yes, because I bet gigantic on the flop, and then I bet gigantic on the turn, and then he donked the river when the board paired. Man, dude, that's a really good... Did a flush come in at it? Yes, yes. Okay. So, and then I remember I was texting, I said, well, if I'm not folding here, am I folding anything ever? That's true. I mean, when the board pairs and the flush comes in, that's I mean, he bet small. On the river? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, how small? Um, I believe I made it... 30, 35 on the flop. I think I made it 50 on the flop. I made it probably 85 on the turn. And then he bets like 125, 150 on the river. Okay, so let's just ignore the limp. So 70, 70 to the flop, and you said 50 on the flop? Mm-hmm. 70, so we're looking at 170. And then you said it. Let's just go eighty. Yep. One sixty, two thirty, three thirty. So you bet. Yeah, I bet one twenty-five into three thirty. Yeah. God, this is a really good fold. I mean, it was one of the ones where I actually picked the chips up and held them and was like actually thinking about it for a second. And it was one of those ones where I was like, I'm not even sure. I mean, what I could be beating. I think. Yeah. I mean, you're right. It's a good fold because I mean. I mean, if you put him on anything, it got there. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, whether it's... I mean, he could flop the other part of the straight, whether he flopped two... With the board pairing, the... Yeah, I mean, you know, the river bringing the... It was it a flop flush draw? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with... I, I like this fold. I think it's a really good fold. But goddamn, it's, it's, that's a good fold at that point, especially heads up. And that was the last good play I made that day. <laughs> it was the first hand. 
<laughs> um, so after that, <laughs> um, that guy left. And um, then I was at the table with a bunch of new people who had like never played before, like, or live poker like that. And I did put the three bet in with Ace King. Heads up. I get called down by 6-4. He turns two pair with a 6-4 offsuit. I river an ace. I don't get stacked, but I double him up. I mean, okay, yeah. He was pretty short. And then I made a bad call, really. Well, I guess if my jack, I, I had jack 10 suited and I flopped a flush draw and he had flopped a set and the board paired giving me the flush draw, giving me a flush, but giving him a oh, boat. God, yeah. That's yeah. horrible. So that was a very quick exit. I had just basically just, I mean, not even a drink. I just sat down and left and lost the whole buy-in. I mean, about 50 minutes. Man, this was this is a horrible poker day for you. <laughs> it was depressing, yeah. And that's whenever you were saying, and that's what you're good at. And I'm like, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I go well, a Well, cash versus tournament. I mean, yeah, yeah that's a... Uh... It's, I definitely feel like that's your bread and butter there. I mean, it sounds like you actually played pretty well. I mean, you made a really good fold. I mean, I don't know. If you're on a flush draw and it hits and the guy just happens to have a set and the board pairs, I mean, I don't know. That's just not your day at that point. It was not my day. Yeah. I told the dealer, I appreciate what you've done to me. Bye. <laughs> I would tip you, but I need this money for Prozac. <laughs> yeah. Um... How do you think, did you enjoy playing? I mean, outside of just getting crushed that day, I mean, it's been a while since we played at Prime, and seeing it is, you know, it wasn't kind of fun being back in a, another lo- in that location, seeing with the tournament series going on and everything? It was nice to, like, kind of, like you said, see a blast from the past, like a poker room that used to be on top by Miles, right? Cause you can agree yeah. with that. I mean, they were the first big big uh room oh i don't think it's debatable yeah yeah and you know seeing it jam-packed in there i mean it was packed packed with the tournament and the cash i mean they had the stream game they had the one three six game going and a five five ten game going off stream and i don't even know how many tables there were but the whole place was packed and it was really cool to you know like you said see it like the old days back when that place was packed every night 24 7 uh yeah that's really cool i mean i like and not that I root against any of the other poker rooms. I, I want to see all, all these poker rooms do really good. But it is fun to see, you know, kind of... It's always fun to play, like, in, like when a tournament series is going on because there's just so much energy. That is true. The energy. And then, I mean, the parking lot is so packed. The whole place was packed. It's yeah. uh, I mean, I guess this is why, like, when you went to New Orleans, I was like, oh, you're going to have a blast and everything. and Because I... I hadn't put it together that I'd only been there during the WSOP. And I just remember there like being like 30 tables going and just everything's going crazy. Because I didn't do the tournament, uh, the WSOP, on a couple of those trips. And then you came back and you're like, yeah, it was great. There was, there was two tables. They barely met. <laughs> yeah, they barely made. They said, no one can watch you play. You can't eat at the table. Uh, you have to wear a mask and, you know don't talk to us so (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i don't know i just think it's cool to like uh play cash i mean i think there's better action like a more fun environment during this tournament series i think it's really cool yeah and then after that we actually went and played a session together 
right? We both end up going to Prime um, the same time. Did did we start off on the same table? We did. Yeah, we did me, because I got there like thirty or forty minutes before you, and I was like, and they had just opened that table for us, and I was like, oh, hopefully Tyler gets here because it's only like playing six handed or something, and I was like, well, you you definitely have a full uh, sure seat. So yeah, we started off on the same table. I was just there like thirty minutes before. So, after that tournament that I busted out of and losing in cash, and I mean, has to be one of the shortest sessions I've ever played, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, first hand I get, I have ace-jack, and the flop comes king-queen-ten. Good lord, man. What? I mean, Again, that horseshoe of your ass. <laughs> well, <laughs> so I flop. I flop it, right? Okay. And I bet pretty big that guy calls because there's a flush draw. Um, the flush draw gets there on the turn, but I have the ace of hearts. Okay. I bet pretty big again. And then the board pairs on the river. And I believe I checked and he bet and I called, right? And that how that panned out thought it went check, he bet, you bet, and he folded. He definitely didn't fold. Okay, I'm thinking of another hand then. He had the set of tens. And remember... Oh, okay, I remember. Okay, yeah. That was a pretty big hand to lose. That was that took a pretty big chunk out right there. Yeah. That was a rough first hand. Wait, he had the... He had pocket tens. And the board pairs on the river. Yep. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, I guess... Oh, yeah. I, I mean, that's just it. I mean... Well, I mean, you bet the turn? Um, I believe so, because I had the Ace of Hearts, too. Oh, uh, okay. I got you. Because I was thinking, I was like, well, I mean, it seems like I have a dangerous card on the turn when the flush draw gets there. But, I mean, you're still getting value from a ton of things here. I mean, if you have Ace-Jack... I mean, you're getting value from King Queen, King Ten, Queen Ten. Still getting uh, from pocket sets. Yeah, other other lower flat, maybe you know a pair, and you know draw. Yeah, okay, yeah, a hundred percent. This is a great a great bet. Um, yeah, and I, I for sure paid him off on the river. So he didn't bet that big, luckily. And really, the lucky part is he didn't raise the flop. I mean, there was a flush draw out there, and if he raises the flop, I'm definitely re-raising. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's a uh, one, and then yeah, you're re-raising. You have the nuts at that point, mm-hmm. and, and he's not getting away from it. Yeah, I mean, really, this is a very easy hand that you could just either double him up or get stacked. I don't know who was the the bigger stack. <laughs> Same result. <laughs> oh, I, oh yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, I think we're about even. Yeah, so. I was thinking never good when my options are double him up or get stacked. <laughs> I, I, was thinking, I, was, I was like, wait, what? Well, you're right. Like, I mean, that definitely could have gone. It really should have. Yeah, it really should have gone more. I mean, because when you bet there. With bottom set, you should be on a flush draw board like that. You should be raising so often. Just with bottom set, they can have so many things. I mean, sure, you flop the straight. So, I mean, it's, I mean, it's you good check in a vacuum for that hand. But you're right. I mean, there's you have a ton of things that you could have here. I mean, that, I mean, he could be getting value from ace king, ace you know, a flush draw, king queen. I mean, all the same things that you basically we thought you could uh, 
you could get value from on the turn. So that was one where I kind of got lucky that he didn't raise, but still took a big hit there. Um, and then I kind of went card dead. I, I turned a flush, that one hand. I mean, you saw, and then I got the minimum, so that was great. I mean, yeah. I mean, and then basically that was it for me until you left, right? Uh, I mean, I guess I bet that guy a bunch. I tried to get him to full pocket kings, and I don't know, man. It seemed like you were in there just beating up people. I mean, it seemed like so many times I just saw you in a hand, and you're like just grabbing stacks, throwing. I mean, it's just like, and I mean, it seemed like you were. If you weren't making hands, you had to be bluffing a crap load. I don't, I don't know what was going on there. It was, uh, but I, I know you were battling in those hands. You were definitely. I mean, because I know, because I didn't play a goddamn hand for two hours, and all I could do was have a rooting interest for your hands. So I definitely know there, were, there was some action going on. Um, yeah, there was a lot of bluffing going on. Um, was there? Oh yeah, I mean, I showed the guy next to me when we were heads up with that one guy, uh-huh. um, who I got him to fold a ton of the time. I showed him I had king four of diamonds, the lucky hand, and um, <laughs> three bet him. Put in the gigantic flop bet. Put in the gigantic turn bet. Gigantic turn bet. I mean, and like I said, I guess you're just not folding. That's what I said. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's like I mean, clearly this isn't gonna work out for me. <laughs> I mean, this looks like a dude with his mind made up. Well, because you started off just running crappy, and then I was like, I, I mean, I remember texting you. I was like, because you have a history of not running well in prime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think to say the least. Uh. Yeah, and then and then you had picked it up and you had started winning quite a bit by the time I left because I was frustrated. So before you even got there, this is kind of an interesting hand. Uh, I have Queen Jack. I raise. I I uh I bet. Uh, it's heads up. I flop Queen Jack immediately with a flush draw out there. I bet he calls. So I'm like, well. There's two spades out there. Just don't show me a spade. Ten of spades is the next card. So he checks. What do you do here with Queen Jack? I probably checked this behind. I checked behind too. I was like, well, I mean, I like. I mean, you still have boat outs, and if you bet get raised, yeah, you just feel like an absolute fool. Exactly, kind of what I was thinking. I was like, well. I don't know what I'm. I mean, you could get value from like Queen Ten or something, but I but mean, it's very queen, specific. Is Queen Ten calling when the flush gets there too? Two pair probably is. I think. Okay, I didn't know the. Okay. Oh, it was a ten of spades. Uh, it's oh, a, got you right, right, that. got you. Yeah. No, you did, you did. I just didn't put it together for a second. Uh, okay. So I check, and then behind, and the river is a eight giving like any nine a straight as well he ends up betting like a hundred and he probably bets like a little over half pot like two-thirds pot maybe i end up just making the fold i'm like he could have queen jack queen he could have another like i could have a hand that hasn't beat here but would he be betting here on such a dangerous board because basically turning it into a bluff and then i mean i have blockers to a lot of the pairs, so it seems like he's more likely to be weighted to draws. And, I mean, because remember I told you that that one guy, well, in this almost exact same situation, whenever, um, well, I guess all, this spot I think is under-bluffed a lot, basically, so I think it's a good fold. 
Yeah, that's that's the moral of what I was gonna get to. And then I had a hand that played very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, that session with you, where I um. I was heads up. I bet, and the flop was. It made it to where six seven was the nuts. Right, so okay. it was um five four three, and I just bet with like, I think I had nine deuce, something like that. Right, because <laughs> Clint's like standard. Yeah. So then, um, <laughs> offsuit. Turn was an eight. So then, any six made a straight. Uh-huh. I barreled again. He called again. I was like, well, this is less than ideal. And then the river was another eight. And I just bet massive again. And then he turns over that he has pocket, not pocket eights, he has um, trip eights and just says, you must have the six and folds. This is, I think, such an interesting hand. Because it's a massive fold, and at first I'm like, how in the world is he ever folding here? But, like, I mean, me and you, like you said, this is kind of under-bluffed. I mean, one of the leaks for a lot of low-stakes players is they don't bluff enough. And one of the exploits is over-folding in situations like this. So even though you you bluffed him off here, and it seems like a horrible fold here, Maybe it is a horrible fold. It, it's on the cusp, but I don't think... I don't know if there's a positive or negative EV play here, but I do know, like you say, when this is under-bluffed a lot, I think a lot of times somebody is going to have something that has you beat. Yeah, I can agree. Um, I was just shocked. I didn't even show my hand because I thought I might get attacked. So, <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a good call. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I know you show bluffs here and there. That's a uh, not a. Uh, I'm glad you kept that one. At least, was I at the table at that point? Or was that after I left? You were there. I was there. Thanks for not showing that. <laughs> I didn't want to be a part of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. I guess. Oh, you had another interesting hand. That six three hand before, because I was going to get into once you left, because that's when this session gets pretty interesting for me, because I was pretty card. I was battling, but I was card dead. So a lot of that was made up good hands you want to talk about something take you on to tilt and then really so it kind of limped was it limped or raised to me it was limped it was limped mm-hmm. so the limped i'm on was it limped i mean i would assume i mean would it matter i don't know <laughs> okay so it was either like limped or small raise it comes down i have three six suited I mean, here's the thing, is when you're, like, I think I had gone, I had one, like, 300, was sitting at 600, but I had dwindled back down to, like, 300. And I'm like, well, I thought about playing this, and I actually reached over from chips to play, and then I was like, well, you know, if I'm playing this, I mean, there's just, this is not pop, this is not a profitable call when you're only got 100 blinds. Definitely not. Yeah. So I was like, you know, I got to be more disciplined. I fold it. It flips over both cards while I'm folding it. And everybody says, three, sees three six suited. And everybody's like, well, he's like, oh my God, that's too tight. You should be playing that and everything. I'm like, eh, well, you know, How, I, I know I'm at a good game. Yeah, 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 no kidding. So I'm like, eh, it's not profitable, whatever. Well, this not profitable play. The flop immediately comes four five seven. 
<laughs> yep. And of course, everybody's looking at me like I am the world's biggest jackass. <laughs> this dude is not arguing with them because he feels like the world's biggest jackass <laughs> right now. So I'm like, oh, God. I mean, it was and it was one of those sessions where, you know, it was kind of grindy. I, like, I had gone up, now back down, and kind of needed a big hand. And then to flop the absolute, I mean, basically the effective nuts. Yeah. I mean, outside of 6-8, I mean, is uh, I was like, oh, God. But it's like a not too much action on the flop, I think. It was like a bet and a call. But he eventually ends up like on a gigantic bet and re-raise as the board pairs on the river. I mean, I think the guy two to my left made it like 125, and the other guy made it like 275 or something. I thought a little bit more than that. I thought more like... 375. It was gigantic. I was remember uh, was thinking big. it was a gigantic bet, and I was thinking Clint just saved his whole stack here. Yeah, because, I mean, on that pairing, board pairing river, I mean, it definitely seems like that guy had a boat. So, definitely seems like I might have... And I think on that player in, in particular, I might have to call, but... Like, I think that player does call down light, but he doesn't... But I haven't seen him put too many big bluffs in, so it might be... Whatever it was, I'm kind of glad I was out of the hand. Oh, I'm very confident that you get... You have the lesser hand in that situation. Yeah. So, it was... I mean, ended up, I think, saving me a ton all the, on something that... I, yeah. Because, I mean, he was not the type of player... Like, me and you talked about, he's not folding on the... Because if he has two pairs set, he's never going anywhere anyways. Yeah, so he might jam you all in if he has flopped a set. Because he's not assuming that you're playing 6-8 or 3-6. Right. So, that was kind of a weird... Talk about, like, feel like the world's biggest idiot and then feel like you just got saved at the river. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking, man... I was happy for you because at first I was like, "Ooh, that's rough for him." I mean, but, I mean you can't be super results oriented on that one hand, but it's hard not to be when you really need that need that hand. And it's one thing if literally if you're the one who knows, but when everyone knows, it's kind of yeah. tough. Yeah, if there's ever a hand I didn't want to flip over, it's got to be that hand. <laughs> and then you left kind of shortly after that, right? Yeah, it was one of those that I had just dwindled back to about even and well i worked 18 hours that saturday so it was just a matter of time on if i when i was gonna go and i was like i really don't want to you know i not I'm, it's already not great i've been kind of in some really kind of rough spots just missing and everything else so i decided to pack it up and call it good but uh, at that point, you were running pretty well. Like, I mean, you started out like it did not look good for you because uh, it was that ace-jack hand. But you, at that point, it seemed like you were kind of hammering the table a little bit. Um. Well, <laughs> the problem is that King-4 lucky hand bluff took a gigantic stack out of my portion out of my stack. Um. So when you left, I was just about even. Were you even? It seemed like you had like, what were you in for then? A thousand. Oh, were you in for a thousand? Yeah. Is that what you sit down with? Yeah. Okay, well, I just didn't notice you had that much to start with. Well, you did lose a lot on the first hand, so <laughs> yeah. I probably wasn't paying that much attention. And, you know, 
when you lose that much in the first couple of hands, I look back and just figured that's your buy-in. I mean, yeah, not the first couple, the first hand. Yeah. So <laughs> it was, uh, yeah. Okay. I kind of get that then. I thought you, I honestly thought you were just killing it at that point, but I didn't I did not think you were even, I thought you were up like three or 400 at that point. Nope. Just, just about even. It was kind of floating at even. I'd go up a little bit, down a little bit, but probably neither a hundred bucks either way. Okay, I had seen you take down some pretty sizable hands with just either where you didn't show or... I had that one where an ace made the nut straight and a a nine made the second nut straight. And I bet gigantic and he called. I mean, if there was ever someone who felt like a complete fool was me not jamming. I mean, if he's calling that gigantic bet, he's calling it all in. I mean, in his... like. At first, I was like, how in the world does this dude call here? Because, I mean, it's not like it's a five that makes the bigger straight. It's an ace. Yeah. Uh, but the way, I mean, it seemed like you were betting freaking everything. It didn't seem that way. I was. Okay. Well, I mean, <laughs> in that case, I mean, if you've got, you know, the nine here, and you're just, it seems like you're re-raising every single time. Sorry, it does not seem. You're re-raising every single time. There we go. <laughs> it's a, Yeah. <laughs> then, yeah, at some point, you have to call at some point. I mean, it's you have to, on your range. So, yeah, you could have probably made even more. I don't know how much you were gonna, you could have made, but if he's that dude, will call kind of light sometimes. So I think you could have made quite a bit, quite a bit. Well, and this was after that king forehand, and he, you know, benefited off of that. And yeah. I mean, it's hard to hold on to kings there on that flop. Queen, queen, three. Bet get re-raised. I mean, it is, again, I mean, <laughs> it is, but at the same time, I don't know, against you and the way you were playing that night, there's going to be some time where you have to hold on. I mean, otherwise, you're, I mean, you're, are you just, is he going to fold every time that he doesn't have the nuts when you're, when you're just slamming the table every, every, every time? <laughs> I wonder if he folds to a river jam there. I guess we'll phone a friend. Yeah. <laughs> well, let, let me answer and ask him what he would do. Uh, yeah, I don't know. He he might have. I mean, you definitely can't have a queen there. I mean, it wasn't like it was. It wasn't like it was trip threes out there, which you can also have a three there. We've seen that happen before. Right. But I mean, there's a lot of queens you could have here, but. I don't know. You were pretty aggressive. I think folding kings there is... That's a tough situation. I don't know, because there were not that many draws on the board either. Yeah, I know. That was the point. So, yeah. That's why I was, was hoping he would fold the turn. I mean, th- I mean, there's a certain point where you're only beating a bluff. I mean, that being said, it seemed like at that night, that night you had like 85% bluffs in your range. <laughs> but... You definitely put him. You definitely should put somebody in a really difficult spot there. Yeah, he passed. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> so here's where the hands start getting interesting, though. That king four stuff, boring. This is where it gets interesting. Oh god. <laughs> so you leave, and um, I'm in the big blind with seven three of diamonds. Limps around. I'm I'm just whatever. Like oh, free flop, check, whatever. Flop comes three, three, three for flopped quads. 
I'm already like, how am I going to get any sort of money in this hand, right? Yeah, because, I mean, me and, me and you talked about it, because not only do you flop quads, that's great, but there's no draws. I mean, there's no really boats, because, I mean, it was a limp pot. I mean, and most people can raise so small. pairs. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's, I mean, this is great, but, I mean, you're never getting action here. So the first guy just bets out t- 10. Nice. And then I kind of do like the, eh, sure, call the 10. The next guy raises to 50. The next guy who hasn't put a dollar in the pot calls the 50. The original $10 better folds. I call the 50, going three ways. The turn was a 10. I check from the big blind. The original guy who made it 50 bets 50 again. And the next guy calls the 50. And I'm thinking, is now the time to spring the trap or not yet? I kind of like the call here, actually. I put the call in. The river is a king. So I check it over to him. The original aggressor checks it. That hurts. The guy who's been calling along the whole time puts half his stack in. Oh, what a godsend. I jam. The next guy folds. This guy calls instantly for his whole stack and loses. I mean, I like, I love the way you played it. And I mean, like I say, this is very exploitative. It's not like what you would normally do, like poker theory. But... I think I'll probably donk lead the river. I was, yeah, I was thinking about it. I mean, it's just, it's such a disaster if it goes check, check. Yeah, but I was counting on them. I mean, yeah. whenever someone's re-race flop and then someone flat it behind, I was thinking, and I was also thinking this could just be someone hitting the king a lot of the time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, well, just, I, me and you talked about. It, I don't know of any hands that make sense here whatsoever. I don't. I mean, I can't put anybody on anything at this point. The guy who called his whole stack, he ran away. But the guy who raised originally had pocket nines. Pocket nines on, on a limp pot. It's a good game. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean. I don't know. I mean, we need to just do a podcast where you teach us how to do game selection at this point. If that, if he has pocket nines here, this is a disaster for him. I mean, if you raise, I mean, if he raises, even you are not. I mean, I was messing around on my phone. Yeah. After I, mean, I saw a three seven. Yeah. It, you're folding here and he's taking it with a boat. I mean, it, well, I mean, the other guy. Maybe hit the king on the... I don't know. It was very hard to put anybody on any of those hands at that point. So, wow. That was an interesting one. That is the most of interesting. Uh, I just don't... Uh, like I say, flopping quads and then getting the action versus what was done pre-flop is just almost insane. Uh, one, of the, one of the weirdest things I've heard. So... That hand was big, but I was about to leave, and I and I, and then I busted that guy, and I was like, "Well, if I leave, the game's gonna break." And I told him, "I was like, you know, guys, I really kind of gotta leave relatively soon, you know." 
oh man, I didn't even talk about, well, we have some other hands we need to talk about too, but I'll finish this and then we'll go back to it. Um, then one of his friends comes or someone he knows, maybe guy must've been super drunk or something. I had King nine offsuit flop came nine, nine, three. I bet. And he raises and I call and then on the turn, which was like maybe a deuce. I, uh, he donks into me. So first he check raised. Now he donks into me for almost his entire stack. I go all in. He calls with 10-3 for just a two pair with 10s and 3s. Oh, sorry. Good. Sorry. 9s and 3s. Good Lord. And I just stack him. So now the game's even shorter hand. I mean, and then I just stay there for a while. And then eventually I end up, I mean, after those few hands, I end up being up quite a bit for like an 800 and something dollar session. I mean... The hands you are, I don't know. I mean, uh, it's almost unfair. I mean, it, it, with the way the people are playing against you, it, it's just, I mean, it's almost highway theft on what you're doing here. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. If someone's doing this with 10-3, and someone's not raising pocket nines, I mean, this whole live poker's dead. Definitely gotta, not at lower stakes. I don't. Nobody who's saying that has been to Texas at all. You just got to show up. <laughs> um, but okay, so here's well, it's kind of it's a longer topic, but we'll end it with this at least. We have have two, well, one interesting hand and one interesting situation. We'll start with the hand. Okay. I have pocket aces, and I raise pretty big preflop. Heads up to the flop. What is pretty big preflop? Um. It's probably like 30. 30? Okay. Yeah, 30 to 25. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. And a deep stack calls. Okay. The flop comes jack high. But it's like um, jack 8, 7 or something. And I bet pretty big again because there's a flush draw and he calls. And I'm like, oh, this is perfect. He has like ace jack. You know, something like yeah, that, maybe. I mean, definitely, this is definitely something you're definitely uh, betting. The turn is like a nine. So I was like, ooh, this isn't great. That is not, no. But I'm not going to give up quite yet until I'm told otherwise, right? So I kind of down bet this turn. And then the, the river, he calls, the river made it to where the board was. Um, any queen made a straight. So it was Jack, 10, 9, 8, and then he 7 made a straight, right? Yeah, okay. And then he bets into me. I mean, I think this is just a complete fold. I mean... Yeah, so I end up laying it down. I think this is a good fold. I mean, I, like, I, I think... I mean, me and you talked about it, because it's like... I called it a standard fold, I think. But it's never easy to fold pocket aces. But for outside of straights, there's just so many two pairs and everything right here. I mean, when, you know, Jack, it was eight, what was it? Eight, nine, ten, Jack? Uh, yeah. So any seven, any queen, but also, I mean, eight, nine, eight, ten, Jack, ten, Jack, nine. 
I mean, you're just running out of hands that you kind of that would call a big raise that you have beat here. Well, I wasn't going to raise, but I painfully folded uh, to his bet. Yeah, uh, it's. I mean, that's a tough one, but I think it's a very good fold. I mean, but he showed he showed Queen Jack of Hearts. Queen Jack, so he had the strength. Yeah. So then I was like, oh man, like I was like, oh, I appreciate you showing. So I threw him five bucks, mm-hmm. and he just threw it back. He's like, whatever. And he's like. Don't worry about it, you know? All right. Cool. Okay. And this kind of leads into the other interesting situation. And then there was a hand. I don't remember what. It, Wait, okay. So, because I think I know the situation coming. Did he say anything when he bet and you were doing? No. He didn't? No. Okay. I, I was just double checking. Yep. So then I play another hand with the same guy. And I'm about to hero call with fourth pair, a big bet on a bricked out river. Like, the front door flush missed. I didn't really put him on any of these low cards that had hit. Okay. And I was like, I think sometimes I'm good here, and he's bluffing this spot. Because that guy was bluffing quite a bit. Was he? Okay. Yeah. Um, and I'm sitting there humming and hawing, and he says, how about you just let me take this one? You can take the next one. And I've known in live poker that that normally just means they have a very good hand. Yeah. And he said that I snap fold. He shows pocket Kings. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I was like, Ooh, man, that guy, I was about to, he didn't realize how light I was about to pay him off. <laughs> I mean, cause I was pretty sure I was, I was about to call. And then he told me, you know, like, Hey, you know, you shouldn't call. I was like, okay. Um, so I really, you know, I mean, any dollar helps, especially at that point in the session where I wasn't, I was about break even. Right. Um, and then this interesting hand happens where I end up with, I end up with like six nine, okay. and flop a gut shot versus him. I mean, six to nature playing six nine a lot. <laughs> Drill the gut shot. Nature being Tyler. Yeah. So and he bets into me. And that's beautiful. And I was like, oh god, I would feel. Is the word unjust or just? It just doesn't feel right. Because I mean, he had uh, he had helped you out earlier in the session. Exactly. So I told him, I'm gonna raise, but you were nice to me earlier. I'll be nice to you now. You should fold. I like this. I I mean, me and you've talked about this, and this is not in your kind of mo of something you would normally do. But I have had. Uh, some table dynamics where I, not every time, but every now and then that present themselves. And I like, I like how you handled the situation. Yeah. And he folded pocket Queens and over pair mm-hmm. on a board that would have made no sense for me to have a straight. I mean, I mean, just drilling a random gut shot. seemed like a hard thing to rep. seems like a pretty easy thing to call down with Queens. I mean, if someone's repping I mean, a random gut shot, I mean, it's kind of, Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. It's you're getting at least one call. I mean, it, it's an interesting dynamic because, like, I've done it before, in but there's also the times like this is this is the exact reason you kind of avoid it. Yeah, because you know, if I still folded the aces and it was nice to show me, but I still folded those, and I would have only lost the amount I would have lost hero calling was way less than I about. 
one third of what I would have made stacking them there. Yeah. So, I mean, kind of the reason to avoid that situation, but it's a very, I don't know, it's a, it's a tough dynamic. Cause I, I mean, where I am at, where I'm playing with the same players all the time, it's a, it's really a tough dynamic when you're playing for profit versus just playing to have a good time. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I mean, to a degree, they look at you kind of like you're a dick. I mean, nobody, like, doesn't like you or has an issue, but they kind of look at you as, you know. Well, I mean, you're raising the pots. Yeah, you're, exactly. You're bluffing in spots where it puts them in a hard spot. Exactly. They're kind of, you know, they just, they're there just to kill time and kind of, you know, have some fun and not <laughs> not play, like, you know, a lot of times not play the bigger, the bigger pots, just, you know, kind of. Like kind of chase flush draws for the minimum and stuff like that, and if I'm there, you know, raising it and like doing the preflop raise to fifteen every time when I'm in the pot and all that, it's it's kind of a different dynamic when you're. I mean, it's just I mean it is what it is. I mean, like I say, I always try to have a good time and be respectful of people at the table, so nobody has an issue there, but it's it can be tough sometimes. The real move is say that and then show seven deuce for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, that would have been that would have been horrible. But I yeah, I like how you handled this. I thought you know it's when someone does like does something like this. I think it's a good way to go about it. And you know what, he was just as likely to. I mean, he saved you money. He saved you money when you could have called. So you know. It's, yeah, yeah, it just it just didn't feel right to. I mean, but if, here's the issue: if you're gonna hit gut shots, and you're gonna pay to hit the gut shot, horribly unprofitable not to get the implied odds. But this is a this is kind of a one off situation, uh, not a one off, but you know, like a very sp- specific special in uh, situation. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, maybe the lesson on this one would be if you're in a in a game with someone like that where you have that dynamic, you just don't pay for like a draw where you know you're not gonna do you where you're not gonna make them pay the maximum. Well, I was it was one of those hands where whenever we were on the flop, I didn't think he was that uh strong, right? And then once he bet gigantic on that turn when I drill the gut shot, then you realize all of a sudden I'm like, this is gonna be a Mass. I mean, this is going to be one where we go all in, basically. But that's still the same. That's still the same point, though. If you don't think he's that strong, when you called the gut shot, I mean, you might not have gotten the implied odds to actually go for it. True. I forgot how I ended up with the gut shot. Or shit. Maybe you thought he was so weak that your six or nine was good too. I don't I know. Think, I don't remember how the exact hand was. I just remember thinking like it would be kind of maybe immoral to stack him there after he was so nice to me multiple times. And then he told yeah. me what he had in the hand with you, so I could tell you what he had. Literally, yeah, yeah. So it was a okay. Yeah, that's a. I I think it was a good a good way to handle that situation. So that's a. I mean, it's. It it's cool because it brings up a lot of points on like not maybe avoiding the dynamic, but again, like it's going to save you. It's going to cost you money sometimes when you have that dynamic and it's going to save you money sometimes. Well, and here's the other thing. I've had that dynamic with some people before where we're friendly, Uh huh. but we're friendly, but we are trying to stack each other every hand. Yeah. That... I've had that with a few people. I mean, still have that with a few people. We're like, I'll say hi, whatever, 
But any given hand, there's no soft playing at all. I mean, you're going to try to stack me, I'm going to try to stack you. Well, I think that's what I kind of shoot for. Because, like I say, when I say you're playing for profit and everybody's like, you know, it's a different world kind of, then you're still trying. I mean, I'm still friendly. I mean, I'm still friendly with everybody at the table. And, you know, just because you're playing for money, I mean, everybody's there to compete and to risk the same. I mean, you know, it's not that I'm trying to take anybody's money, but that's the game. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and, uh, absolutely. I mean, uh, most of the people I play with, I like a whole hell of a lot. I mean, but, you know, that's... I mean, if we're not if we're not going to play and do it competitively... Why play? Yeah, I mean, shit, let's break out sorry or something, or risk or something. I mean, yeah. it, you know, that's kind of the nature of the game. Well, on that note, this concludes episode 31 of the Texas Poker Podcast. We'll see you next week. That was the Texas Poker Podcast. Go ahead and rack up. Add time, and we'll see you next week.